Hollow, and welcome to Tools in the Shed, a podcast powered by Cars Guide, ready to rip into car stuff that's caught our eye this week. I'm Cars Guide Deputy Editor James, and with me are two of our key contributing journalists, Peter and Chesto. This week, this week, we're discussing the dawn of the super ute. They're coming. Um, we'll look at three recent entrants to the Cars Guide garage, and we'll catch up with the Doge, who said he was off Twitter for a while, in this week's Muskwatch. Um, remember, you can jump ahead uh, using the time codes in the notes below, or you can click on the chapter markers in the timeline. But for now, let's go. And let's talk about the dawn of the super ute. Um, we've heard a lot about Toyota GR. And in fact, we discussed that last week, but the uh, Hilux version that will cop the GR treatment. Um, but also the next Ford Ranger Raptor will, will certainly change the game with a different engine configuration, a little bit more uh, capacity, uh, a bigger diesel grunt. And Chesto, you've been looking at this whole area. Uh, it seems as though we are at the dawn of a new era. And, and the big news is Ford's next Raptor. Yeah, absolutely. And look, to be honest, it's probably fair that we start with the Raptor, given it was probably the car that kicked off this whole push to super utes. It, it did something from the factory that really no one else was doing at the time, and, and plenty of manufacturers have been playing catch-up ever since. So probably fair that we start with the, the new Raptor. Now, if anyone's ever jumped behind the wheel of the existing range Raptor and thought, gosh, wouldn't this be good with a V6 diesel? The good news is it's, it certainly sounds like that's what's going to come. The uh, two-litre turbo, that bi-turbo diesel will be, will be scrapped or will certainly be used in, in lower models. But the Raptor should get a three-litre turbo diesel producing some 185 kilowatts and 600 newton metres. Now, of way. course, diesel way. does not fly in the USA, and we know the States is getting the Raptor this time around. So over there, they're expecting a twin-turbo petrol V6 making 230 kilowatts and 540 newton metres. But whether the petrol version comes to Australia remains to be seen. If you know anything about dual cab utes, you know that we are a diesel market through and through. But it yes. does sound as though the four sill is going to be replaced by a six sill at long last. Well, it's it's um, diesel just as a thing is kind of problematic, isn't it? That, that, that um, there are various manufacturers absolutely downplaying diesel. I'm thinking Volkswagen mm. and others, um, you know, for various reasons. Um, but uh, to have the petrol and the diesel, hmm, who knows? But it, either way, it's going to be a different configuration and a bigger engine. Yeah, that's right. And we've we talked about this before, too. There was once a time when petrol utes were the rage in Australia. You know, you could yeah. buy a HSV Maloo with a big stonking V8 petrol. Then slowly we made the shift to diesel. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility we'll make the shift back. But yeah. the smart money I reckon on is, is on electrification. If you're following some of the trucks being launched in America, like Rivian, et cetera, yeah. geez, the numbers they can produce are just ferocious. So yeah. I think that will be the step after diesel, realistically. Yeah. I'm just yeah. wondering what that second turbo is doing on the petrol if it's only pulling 230 kilowatts. That's a good it's point. Just, it, it's, there, it's there just for towing. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so, full of the caravan. And I suppose the other point is that the, the next Ranger, um, it shares its underpinnings with the Amarok, and I wonder if there's any flow-on effects for, for Volkswagen, whether they can pick any of this up. Well, Volkswagen's hmm. certainly keen to do... Uh, something of their own as you know they're already working with walkinshaw in australia to produce an angrier amarok more probably fairer to say that the volkswagen will be built on the ranger platform rather than share because we know that the, the new range is going to go not to an all-new platform the one we're talking about now but to a sort of stepping stone something they're calling the t6.2 
replacing right. yep. the T6. So the all new one is still some time off yet. Okay. Um, but yeah, look, Volkswagen certainly shown some interest in doing uh, in doing some performance use of their very own. But I'd be I'd be shocked if we know that the Raptor is predominantly produced in Australia or developed in Australia. So I'd be shocked if Ford was sharing too much of that information with Volkswagen rather gotcha. than just the platform. Got you. And just to to kind of touch on the GR Hilux, we've we've gone there before and we've spoken about it at some length. But just to wrap it up in terms of what we know at this mm-hmm. point, Chesto, are you able to, to help us out on that score? Yeah, I can for sure. So the, the interesting thing about the this dawn of the Super Ute is that it appears that the V6 diesel is basically going to be your condition of entry. So uh, Toyota has, been, has spent a fair bit of time talking about Geo Hilux, how they want a Geo Hilux, how they've trademarked the name around the globe. But the only thing they didn't have was a suitable V6 diesel to power, for power because we know the GR needs to produce more performance, etc. Then the Land Cruiser 300 series started to rear its new head. And we know that that car is going to be powered by that very thing, a big six, a V6 diesel right. um, that should produce in excess of 650 newton metres. So that is the engine that we believe will find a home in the GR Hilux, especially in Australia. So yep. it could be that these two titans of the ute world that have been at, the, at each other's throats for years will be at them again, only this time with V6 diesels under the bonnet. So it's an exciting time. Isn't that interesting? For ute fans. Yeah, yeah. I mean... It's interesting. I'm watching uh, the, the, one of our next door neighbours. He's uh, on his green pea plates, so um, he's 18 or 19 years old. He's uh, an apprentice tradie. He and all his mates have gone for big utes. That that, yeah. that seems to be okay. They're they're in a trade and they need a work truck. But I think it's just a general thing that that it 100%. is. A, it's an aspirational vehicle to get yeah. uh, a modified kind of dual cab ute. Is that when I was a kid, it was '90s Japanese performance cars. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that market has been well and truly replaced by Utes now. Yeah, yep. and if that's certainly reflected down in you know down in the Sutherland Shire, the world of Hilux. There's there's heaps of them with you know custom trays, custom everything, yep. like straight pipes everywhere. Like there's yep. a lot going on in the in the Utes down there as well. And Isn't it funny how different areas of, uh, of Sydney, they have a particular car they buy. Where I live in the inner west of Sydney, you would swear right. that Skoda was the best-selling right. brand in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere. So, Peter, for people outside of uh, Sydney and outside Australia, in fact, uh, let us in on what, what's your profile? What's what's Sutherland Shire person? What, what's so, so, uh, so, well... <laughs> There's there's a there's a mean way I explain the Sutherland Shire, which is uh, you only ever cross the bridge to go to the airport after you've got married to go to Thailand to ride an elephant to come home and breed in the house that you can't afford. <laughs> However, the broader and less right. cool profile is, uh-huh. um, and so I grew up there, uh, and anyone with any creative um, uh, kind of um, you know aspirations was clearly not not welcome. Uh, the um, the vibe is it's very tradey heavy in the Shire. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so there's, uh, given that, there's an extraordinary amount of money sloshing around the Shire. Um, cool. It's, it's um, you know, very it's beachy. It's, and a bit lifestyle yeah. yeah. A bit lifestyle So, yeah, utes are really a, a massive thing in the Shire. For me, so it's, a dual, from, it's a dual cab ute with a jet ski, you know, towing that. Or yeah. You know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you're from the United Kingdom, it's kind of like Essex. Uh, gotcha. gotcha. It's kind of like the Valley in California, in, in Los Angeles. So yeah, there's a there's a few. Um, it's actually it's a bit like Jersey Shore. Nice. <laughs> uh, All right, so, 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 we complete with the Botox. So um, <laughs> the short story is, all of those people can look forward to, uh, as you say, Chesto, 
the Hilux in GR form with the V6, uh, yeah, what are we yeah. talking, 3.3 litre, um, and uh, th that's good. So, and and it's an almost, you don't want to jinx it, but it's an almost certainty that that vehicle is going to happen. And yep. look, yep. At, at the same time, uh, Nissan's been diving into this pool uh, with yep. its Navara. Yep. They've already made a pretty tough looking uh, thing called the Pro 4X. And there'll be a warrior version of that as well. What 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 are your thoughts on, on that one? I'm just going to quickly cap off Ranger and highlights for one second because okay. there's one yep. critical piece of information. That is that the Ford cool. Ranger and Ranger Raptor is expected to arrive probably, Ranger Raptor especially, probably in 2022, but we could get lucky and see it in late 21. Yep. Hilux, unfortunately, they 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 kind of off the record suggested that they won't be doing it with the current generation vehicle. You'll have yep. to wait for an all new one, which is expected around 2023. So there is a bit of a wait ahead of us, but it's happening. Okay. So yes, I, I guess the really fascinating thing about the Raptor to me, it really proved how slow these giant car companies can actually pivot because the Raptors had the market to itself for such a long time, and yep. it's taken ages for the other car other manufacturers to really catch up. So you know what I, th I think that is? sorry to interrupt Chester, but you know Go what on. I think that is? I think those production lines run so tight because yeah. of the, the tight margins on these things. I mean, they t they're on ten year cycles, so there's obviously it's so competitive that the margins are thinner. I reckon those production lines just just run so tight that to start inserting any kind of substantial differences like these, I mean, totally those cars agree. are substantially different. It's a real pain, and that, that's my that's my take anyway. I don't know if it's true, but it's just I think it's a hundred percent true. Pretty good. You, yeah. Give you a prime example when when Ford launched the Mustang in Australia, and it was they they couldn't build them fast enough. Everybody rushed into FCA and said, "Well, where's the Challenger? We've just put the steering wheel on the other side. How hard is it?" And they're <laughs> like, ah, "It's it's quite hard." It's, well, that's it's, right. <laughs> and 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 not only from an engineering point of view, you know, a, a left to right hand drive swap is enough. But then all of the uh, safety and durability testing that goes with that, it all has to be verified and and yeah. made sure that it's safe and durable. Um, that's not no small task. Plus, you have to actually free up the production to build it. Most of those plants, as you rightly point out, Peter, running full time, you know, uh, yeah. pumping out cars as fast as they can. Anyway, so full credit to Nissan. They knew they probably wouldn't be able to get one out of the factory, so they thought, bugger it, we'll do it ourselves in Australia. They partnered yeah. with some really good people here, Walkinshaw amongst others and created the Warrior in the existing Navara. We know that the new Navara has a halo model of the Pro 4X, and we believe that's going to get a Warrior version as well, which is like a locally tuned suspension, et cetera. Yeah. And there's, so, but it doesn't stop there. So Mazda with the new BT50 has been a little cagey so far, but has said, watch this space. We're working on something special, which we understand to be a locally developed vehicle. In response to that, Isuzu, who obviously the D-Max is the BT50's twin, has said we're monitoring the market too, so watch this space essentially. Uh, and who, oh, Mitsubishi, we Mitsubishi. know, is working, on a is working on a Triton Absolute. So we are getting to a point where there's going to be a flood of these things. The Ranger, the Ranger and Ranger Raptor won't have the market to itself, but I do believe there's going to be there's a difference between a locally tuned product that's built, I, you know, I guess the pictures that it's built more for Australian standards, and what we would describe as a performance ute, like, you know, a Ranger Raptor or a GR Highlight. And Ch Chesto, did you say that the Mitsubishi was going to be called the Absolute? It was going to be, I Don't thought. That. Uh, is that a, a no, co-promotion with a vodka brand? <laughs> Hang on, I might have got that entirely wrong. Bear with me. But so they actually, there's a funny story behind the Mitsubishi Triton. They uh, they actually had trademarked a name and then a company in Queensland decided they already had it. So they then had to ditch the absolute title. And I think they have re-trademarked the name Tanami, I think, is the new. Uh, is the that's new, pretty good. Yeah, that's a new name they're going with. 
you, you call something an absolute, you're just going to invite all sorts of descriptors after the word absolute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's an absolute. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> and also, where do you go from there? You haven't left yourself any headroom. You know, no, you've no, no, that's right. You've superlative yourself out of the market. Correct. Yeah, all right. That's so right. That, that's interesting. So really, it's a pile on. Everybody, mm. everybody is going to have a go. Um, yeah. So yeah. Just but you I guess, wait for the Lotus-tuned Jumbuck GTI to blow them all yes, out. Yes, that's right. I'd, I'd line up for that. That would be something special. I like it. And it would. Mate, that's, with, that's without even talking about Hyundai and Kia, who will, uh, who will yeah, do something right. special too. So, look, but again, I, I think much like there's, a, there's no one formula for a hot hatch or, or a warm hatch, I think it's the same with these youths. It's going to be everyone's going to have a flagship variant, but the, the, the level of performance each offers I think will be pretty different. The other interesting thing that occurred to me was that I know that um, the motorsport uh, chiefs in Australia um, mucked around with a ute-type category to try and capture some yeah. of that buzz around super utes. I wonder where that might go to. It, I haven't really kept in touch with it at all, but uh, maybe that'll pick up some buzz as well. I, tell you, I think that's going to go straight to the bin. You really? No. I, mate, I, I just think, like, this is another story for another time, perhaps a whole other podcast episode. But if yeah. there is a supercar-style race in Australia five years from now, I will eat someone's hat. Really? Okay. Well, we ought to work out. This is, we've made some bold claims yeah. uh, so far <laughs> in the podcast this year. Well, we say we. Yeah. As. Correct. <laughs> as has So um, I think we'll keep a ledger that uh, puts these down on paper so that they can be called in at the appropriate time. So five years, if there's something approximating a supercar, right, you know, circulating on a circuit in five years, yep. you'll eat someone's hat. I'll no, you can I, choose the hat. Okay, I reckon fantastic. it'll be a GT3. It'll be a GT3, yeah. I can't see it. Really? Anyway, okay. I think the hat will be some kind of metal helmet. Um, rather than, <laughs> that, that could be interesting. I'll wear Ned Kelly's whole piece. I'll eat that. That's right. That's right. Okay. or sautéed. <laughs> that's um, that's good. Let, thank you very much for, for all that, Chester. That's a great update. So uh, it'd be good to get people's feedback on what they make of all of that, uh, whether their intention would be to participate and uh, pick up a super ute. Uh, it'd be great to hear from you. Now, we're going to move to our garage where we've been driving particular pieces of fresh metal during the week. Peter, can I start with you, please? Um, speaking of fresh metal, it's a new model um, from Kia. Yes, it's the Kia Stonic. Uh, which is the new, like, genuinely baby SUV from uh, Kia. Now, uh, I, I've only had it for a couple of days, so I haven't had a real sort of deep look into the spec or anything. But it's, it's an interesting little car. It, it, it's kind of weird how you kind of expect to see, um, you know, bits of its sister car maker, Hyundai, uh, sort of come across. But it's still stuck with the twin clutch that I believe is in the Rio. Okay. Um, and I think it's got the same engine, um, but it, it looks great. It's a really yep. good-looking little car, um, and I'm in GT line, especially with the big reels and 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 you know all the nice bits and pieces on the trim and and the funky LED daytime running lights. And I'm, it, it's taking a little bit of getting used to because the the transmission, like in the Rio, is a little bit slow. But um, you sit really low in it. <laughs> I got in it. Right. Was up like this. Unreal. Unreal. It's kind of nice to see some you know real. Uh, adjustment because a lot of the SUVs because the the space between the door and the sill is so narrow you seem to sit like quite high and mm. um, like in the Patara as an example uh but yeah no I'm so far I'm quite enjoying it it's not very fast though <laughs> so it's just 
to put you on the spot, its competitive set would be uh, what do you think, Peter? What, what's well, it's in... as small as the CX three, but the CX three yeah. tries to punch a little bit higher than it really should. Um, but it's in that same kind of size, so tight rear seat. Um, you know, very small. Uh, it seems about the same size as the venue, but the ve- I always think the venue's smaller than it really is. Or, I got, or I think, or it seems smaller. Anyway, it's about okay. the same size. But I think yeah. there's another is, Hyundai it, one coming out uh, that fits between Venue and Kona. Uh, it was announced last week uh, with some French name, and I've completely forgotten what it was. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> so there's another SUV coming from Hyundai. But I'd say it's in the same vein. Um, uh, yeah, so uh, it'd be interesting to see how it goes because, um, yeah, it's just the right size for a lot of people. A lot of people, are, like I took it to the gym, and a lot of people went, ooh. Sorry. Yeah. Now yeah. I have a question. Question with that notice. So is I, I don't know much about the Stonic yet, but is the so are you saying that the Stonic will share its bits with the new Hyundai? It doesn't share it with the venue. It's not not that's not it's not that platform. I don't know. I actually, honestly okay, don't know. Right. But I, what I'm saying is that there is another one of the same uh, Hyundai of the same size. Oh, okay. It would be some French town, like it's a mangling of a French town. Uh, uh, it'll it'll be up on the screen yeah. as we yeah. speak. Yeah, yeah. Burger Mui. I think um, the Bermagui. Bermagui. The Hyundai Bonnie Doon. Yeah, it should be the Hyundai Bonnie Doon. I'd buy that. We're going to Bonnie Doon. All right. So yeah, because it sounds like it sounds like that's the platform share with the new incoming car rather than the older venue, which makes sense. Yeah, yeah, the venue is a few years old now. Fair enough. Very good. Okay. Thank you, Peter. Uh, Now, Chester, moving on to yourself. You've yeah, been yeah. in uh, something Korean. It's kind of kind of in the same uh, area, but um, a different brand. Yeah, so ju- I guess just to sort of foreshadow JC's garage car for a moment, I just take take this moment to remind our listeners and viewers that obviously we are men of the people. Well, two of the three are men of the people, as you'll discover in a moment. I, I yeah. have been behind the wheel of the new Hyundai Kona which is the facelifted version of the brand's second smallest SUV. Now, they have made some pretty big changes. So it's a two-litre naturally aspirated petrol engine CVT transmission is now the only engine and gearbox combination you can have across the regular Kona range, uh, Mm. which stems from the entry-level Kona, the Active, the Elite, and the Highlander. If you want a 1.6-litre turbo with a seven-speed DCT, you need to step into the N-line cars which come as inline and inline premium. They put out about 146 kilowatts. They've got a sport tune, multi-link rear suspension, sport tune gearbox, and they themselves are acting as a kind of, you know, a holding pattern until the full-blown N arrives sometime in the future. But I got to say, I was really pleasantly surprised by both engine and gearbox transmissions. I'm no huge fan of the CVT, generally speaking. Yeah, this one they built. Uh, they built sort of eight artificial steps into it, a manual mode. They've gone as far as they can to try and make it feel like a torque converter automatic, and at slow speeds it certainly does that. But when you put your foot down, obviously there are some pretty drony reminders that it is a CVT. Uh, but yeah, look, all in all, I, I think it's a really good package. The only thing I'd say is that the base model car really and truly feels like a base model car. I guess one mm. of the one of the dangers of upping the tech and uh, and equipment and the up, upper spec models which now get a 10.25-inch centre screen in the mid-tier Konas. In the top-tier Konas, they get twin 10.25-inch screens yeah, yeah. to give you that kind of Germanic feel, you know, yeah. Yeah. whereas the base car still gets that 8-inch eight, infotainment screen that's housed in the 10.25-inch surround, so you get a big, <laughs> like, big uh, frame of black plastic and 
hard door materials and all that kind of stuff. It just feels like a really basic car. So for me, right. kind of reminding you you're a cheapskate. Yeah, exactly. And I hate that, you know, this constant reminder. Like, remember in the old days when they used to black out the switches? You're like, just as every time you got in the car, you're like, oh, that's right. I couldn't have uh, those switches. Just a, there's nothing like a row of blanks where yeah. switches should be to tell you what grade of car you're in. How brutal is that? <laughs> so for me, ladies and gentlemen, I, I think the inline cars are good, but not sporty enough to be proper sports cars so if you're that way inclined i'd be waiting for the end for me the pick of the bunch is the elite it sits around the middle it's about 30 grand and it gets the best combo of tech safety and price in my opinion brilliant brilliant it's interesting what you say about the cvt because i'd say it's the same cvt that's in the Celtos, and it's i hate cvts but the one in the Celtos is not bad Mate, I had a Celtos long-termer and I, as soon as I got it, I was like, oh my gosh, by the end of like, I'll, 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 I'll be like the guy in The Shining writing CVT all over the walls. <laughs> and uh, mate, I'll be honest, uh, after, it, it, I, there were plenty of times when you forgot it even had one. Like, you know, it, yeah. it, it's, at yeah, City Space especially, it just smooths around. It's easy. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Good. Fantastic. Um, now, I had the opportunity to spend uh, some time with Porsche's 911 Turbo S. So it's the cream of the 911 crop. It's a 3.7 litre twin turbo flat six, 478 kilowatts, uh, 800 newton metres. It's an eight speed dual clutch and it's all wheel drive. Um, now, just to get the, Rubbish, the number, out, number out yes. of the way, it's $473,500. The, the car that I was driving had a dozen options on it, um, including literally a dozen, um, sports exhaust, a front lift kit, which is so, I would say that's almost necessary um, just on, on gutters and things, dynamic light system, et cetera, et cetera. So it topped over half a million dollars Australian uh, before you put it on the road. Uh, uh, um, so it's the fastest production car I've ever been in. And wow. I've been around cars and the car biz for 35 years. And it is claimed to accelerate from zero to 100 kmh in 2.7 seconds, and I, I dug around and car and driver managed to get 2.2 out of it. Ooh, so uh, it's, it's, let's say it's somewhere between 2.2 and 2.7, zero to 100. We can, and I've driven fast cars over time, and, and in recent times, McLaren 720S, it's at 2.9 claimed, etc. cetera. Uh, this thing is, you know, an, an overused word is ballistic, but it's like a mad rocket sled. You know, when you when you do a launch <laughs> control, you just feel as though you, you're yeah. on this uh, narrowing, you feel the vision narrows, all those things. I've been a passenger in drag cars, and that's what happens where you feel the vision just goes to a, a very narrow channel. That happens in this car. Um, <laughs> the, the power down and the grip, you know, the, the rear track is 1.6 metres, just the track. Um, it's it's 255 35s, uh, 20s on the front. These are good years. 315 30s on the rear. Very fat rubber. And the brakes are ridiculous. The brakes are ceramic, of course. Mm. Uh, they're 420 millimetre front rotors. They, they've, they are immense. And they have 10 piston calipers uh, on the front, four on the rear. Um, it is amazingly fast. And it... As I say, it puts its power down, but get out of that mode. It's tractable. It's comfy. Yeah. The seats are amazing. This particular car was white, which I think suits it brilliantly. Yeah, and the interior matter. is not austere, but it's it's relatively um, restrained. Um, there's there, In this one, there was no carbon, no flash. It was all business. 
and it felt much better for it. And the, uh, one of the options was seat ventilation. It's been quite humid and, and hot in Sydney recently. It's probably the best seat ventilation system I've ever used. It, it really kept you cool. I loved it. Um, Keeps you dry. Uh, does. So um, those of us who perspire freely appreciate well, that. Yes. Kind of thing. And yeah. the, on the, the only negatives I could find with it, uh, the back seats are tiny now. I don't know really why they're bothering. Even even little kids will, will struggle to get comfy in there. I, I attempted to fold myself into the rear seat and it's just not doable. Um, I also found the steering wheel, it's a great size and whatever, but it's very hard. Um, it reminded me of an old arcade game where they had the hard plastic steering wheel. You know, it was it was that kind of, of hard. Um, and as has been the case for some time, you can't see the engine. There's a tiny yeah, little yeah. vent that flicks up mm. and a couple of exhaust fans. You can't see the engine, which is just a shame. So, that's, so um, that, that's a bit of a downer, but it is an absolutely amazing uh, vehicle and it was uh, really special to have some time in it during the week. Well, but, I really uh, enjoyed the lift that James... Oh, hang on, that never happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes we share around the cars, but not, uh, not that one no, for some reason. No, I did, no, I <laughs> Passed it on you know, to, to Mel, the great imperial leader. He, he, he had okay. it as well. Yeah. Jay, don't you, don't you think, though, JC, that, that like a $483,000 car should come with a sports exhaust? Like, it, it, I know. Shouldn't that be part of the deal? Uh, it's like, like it's, Ferrari charging 7000 for Apple CarPlay. It's crazy to me. Well, oh, this, but, is, this, this is my theory, Chesto, that you get into a certain world. I'd like to think it's not so much the case with Porsche drivers, but it might be with Ferrari people, that the, the bigger the number for the option the better. So mm, yeah. see that, mate? See that paint? You know how much that cost me? Yeah, that cost yeah. Me, that's that true. cost me no, 15 no. grand. That, yeah. It's just, I reckon, it's kind of bragging I it, rights. I reckon it even gets down to like dealer delivery. What? You paid eight grand for dealer delivery on that Bentley? What's the matter with you? I paid 11. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's, I think there are some bragging rights. But anyway, um, it's it's an amazing car. And it was, yeah, pretty fresh to, to have the opportunity. And I will be writing a review. So if people uh, want to get some um, some detail on it, that'll be forthcoming um, in the near future. You know, or, people who uh, people from the Cars Guide firmament when when they pop around with a ride, it's it's a Suzuki Swift. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just I'm just going to keep pressing that issue. But sometimes it's Swiss Sport. All right, now um, we'll get to some feedback. People were good enough to give us their thoughts on uh, last week's program. And uh, we were talking last week about the rise of Toyota GR. You know, we've got the uh, GR Yaris has caused a lot of buzz recently, but it was preceded by the GR Supra and there will be others. We were just, uh, you know, talking about the GR Hilux and, and it's, it's going to be a thing. So we got a lot of feedback and Tim Burr, Tim Burr 86, uh, he says he loves the new direction that Toyota's taking and he thinks one of the models we missed uh, was the next 86. Uh, which is rumoured to be called GR86. Um, mm-hmm. And that w- we were onto it. I think that um, we, we intercepted a dealer bulletin somehow uh, and May or June debut for, for that car. And we've already seen um, the Subaru version. So um, it's a known quantity. And also, uh, Ducook called out your mail, Chesto, on the potential of an upcoming GR Corolla wagon. Yeah, um, yeah. And he thinks that could be a kind of a Lavor beater. And, and really put in it in its place. And it, it would be a great little car. It would also be like a Golf R wagon yeah. competitor too, yeah? Now, the question would, is, would, would we get it? 
Right. So I, I think it's all that's all supposed to be coming out this year, around September of this year, in fact, Corolla and Corolla Wagon. We know we don't get the Corolla Wagon in Australia, but, hey, we also didn't get the I-20 in Australia, but we're getting the I-20 in, so you never know. You never know. That's, that, I think that's an, a, an appropriate phrase. You never know. You can be told point blank, this isn't going to happen, yeah. um, and things, <laughs> things can change. Um, that's right. Andre Vigeur, Andre uh, V6 diesel, that'll be great. I'm going to wait for it. So he's going to wait uh, for a V6 diesel in the Hilux. And Lofty Visions was hoping there would be a new FJ. That'd be nice. But I think it might be more the new TJ Cruiser, which we've seen in in concept form. And Toyota has made noises about every now and then a smaller vehicle, um, allegedly with the engine and all-wheel drive options from from RAV4, but it kind of sits between CHR and RAV. Um, Mm -hmm. As a potential niche model, I think that'd be great. I really love the look of it. It's a a little bit... uh, a little bit muscular and, and what have you. Um, Jim Danick says, Happy New Year, guys. How good is GR? Um, with the arrival of the GLA 45S and Kona N, T-Rock R, we need a new category, Hoss, Hot Cross Hatch. Um, I predict they'll outsell hot hatches within five years. And, and that prediction uh, is channeling Stephen Otley, who um, wrote a story very much to that uh, effect and said he'd also include the Puma ST, a car that we've been told we won't get. But, um, you know, if things go down a certain path, you never know. There's that phrase again. You never know. I would very much like to see the Puma ST here, given how just amazing the Fiesta ST is. It's yes. such a great yeah. car. It is. I'm also, it is. I'm a big Puma fan as well. I think the regular Puma is a, is a, is a hoot from yeah, behind the wheel. it's a cracker of a car. Massively and underrated by the market. It's, I, can't yeah, I agree. It's not flying out the door. Yeah. And yeah. another exciting news that Toyota has uh, recently made moves to re-trademark the name Celica around the world. I would love for them to give me yeah. another Celica. Well, that was it. Last last time I had the opportunity to sit down with uh, Tetsuya Tata, the, the father of the 86 and Supra, um, he was kind of ruminating on his next project and we were talking, is it MR2? Is it Celica? He said, Celica, 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 all-wheel drive. Really? You know, yeah, because um, they are wanting... We wrote a story on it at the time, um, but not not in the front-wheel drive form that we've seen before, more an all-wheel drive car. Uh, to, to differentiate it from Supra and, and 86. But uh, don't be surprised if um, if that comes onto the radar pretty shortly. Awesome. Niche. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Hammer Rocks, our old mate uh, Hammer, uh, said, personally, I wouldn't be in the market for a GR Sport Land Cruiser because we were talking about how far could, could GR go and the difference between GR and GR Sport and the, the full-fat GRMN. Um especially if the focus is for on-road handling prowess, but he'd welcome a Land Cruiser 300 Rugged X style, you know, or a, even a Raptorized uh, Land Cruiser 300. He went on to give us his, the entire spec that he'd like, including, you know, rock rails and underbody protection, the whole yep. bit. So he's almost ordering his car before it even exists. Um, and he also wanted, instead of having the spare wheel mounted under the vehicle, he wants it mounted vertically on the rear, like the FJ, or he said JDM only rear, do, rear door spare wheel carrier option Toyota had on the 80 series. And for people on YouTube, we'll have a picture of that. So he's right down to that. He's basically doing um, the design and product uh, development for Toyota. So thanks Mate, very much. There's, there's awesome. huge mail out of Japan that, that a GR Sport will form part of the 300 lineup. So not a full-blown GR, but a GR Sport. So a, right. a, a, a tougher-looking one. Right. Um, SMMKJD says Richard Berry. Now, Richard was uh, not for the first time quite strident in his opinion and said that he would not countenance 
uh, a GR Hilux, uh, a GR Land Cruiser. He was all for the Hilux, didn't want to see it applied to the Land Cruiser. Um, so this person has said, check out the Land Cruiser forums. All the talk is engine remaps, big exhausts, bigger turbos, high flow injectors, chasing large power and, and torque improvements, plus some very expensive uh, suspension, not on-road on suspension, off-road um, in the vein of the Ranger Raptor. So he reckons a GR Land Cruiser would sell like hotcakes. Toyota, take my money and get them in Oz um, is, is the word. Um, so then also, Sukhoi Romantic, uh, if they want to do something special, do a GRMN Supra with a manual gearbox. GR Land Cruiser, agree, would have to be for the Middle East. We thought that might be a prime market for, for a yeah, GR yeah, Land Cruiser. Um, Nissan sold a Nismo Patrol there recently. So, And he also, I think they need a bit more time getting people to understand that something as silly sounding as Gazoo Racing means the fast one. Uh, yeah, dangerous yeah, to yeah. water down the goodwill earned with a dress-up only GR line so early on, like Hyundai's doing with N. So uh, he makes a valid point that uh, you yeah, need that yeah. to kind of bed down. Everybody automatically, instinctively thinks N is Hyundai performance. Then you can go your N line. Maybe it's a bit mm. early to start yeah, with yeah. these um, these different versions. It, it, just to just to confirm that point. Gosh, Kazoo Racing <laughs> Meisters of the Nurburgring. It is awful, isn't it? It's, it is actually awful. I don't well, know. I, I, tend to, I tend to cringe when Akio Toyota, I think it's on his business card, he says master driver. Master driver. Uh, so he's a, yeah. a mas yeah. master driver. Um, I just think, mate, you've got tickets on yourself, you know. Come on. <laughs> um, wind your neck in a bit there. Um, but <laughs> the, the, you obviously right. haven't seen my new auto signature. <laughs> master driver. That would be good. Master of the universe, I thought, would be appropriate for you, Chester. But then Aniso, here I'm going to have a good crack at this. Aniso Vivaracare. There we go. That's my best, uh, my best go at this name. Toyota's moving up to more premium products. Where does that leave room for Lexus? I think Toyota's underestimated the impact it will feel from leaving potential customers in that lower price segment. Here, if you're listening, just make your service pricing more competitive. But um, I suppose that's fair, but we're talking more about performance. I think there's a mm. fair gap between Toyota as a mainstream, every person, finger in every pie in the market, and Lexus still being more premium, having their sportier models. I think there's plenty of uh, differentiation. I don't know what you guys yeah, make of that. I think the only real issue with Toyota pricing is Yaris and Corolla. The rest of it's Absolutely. very middle of the market stuff. Yeah. Um, I yeah. mean, you know, like I was talking to someone yesterday who's looking for a, a new hatchback, and I said, don't get the Yaris hybrid, get the Corolla hybrid because it's cheaper. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've it's got crazy, to put, in, in the interest of full transparency, I've got to put my hand up. Um, my significant other and I, we put an order in for a um, SX Corolla hybrid, um, eclectic blue, arriving in April. So there nice. you go. We'll, we'll be a Corolla uh, hybrid owning, owning family shortly. Oh, uh, but, terrific car. <laughs> it's a terrific car. So yeah. anyway, now enough of this sensible talk. It's time for Muskwatch. Right. So uh, during the week, and Chesto, I know you were good enough to send me a text on this, this little pearl of wisdom that came from the great leader. It was on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. He said off Twitter for a while. And as he's done that before, and as I recall, he lasted about 36 hours, but he's, under, you know, he's outdone himself this time. Two days later, 
he's tweeting Doge, um, which is okay about Dogecoin, uh, the the dog-based cryptocurrency. And of course, Dogecoin has shot up. It it just went vertical on the back of Elon just tweeting that one word, right? So recently he's been he's been doing that. People want him to tweet about Nokia. They want him to tweet about BlackBerry. They want him to tweet about all kinds of things. So that he tweeted about uh, GameStop. GameStop went yeah, up. He was involved in that. Yeah, it was already going up, and then he sent it kind of vertical. So Kishore Thakur said, "Buy Doge right now. Go, go." This is in the the comments underneath his tweet. Why are Sparks? Thank you, Elon. This just paid for a family trip to the snow. And Nick says, "Thanks to you, Elon. I'm going to be a millionaire." So, yeah, people were asking him to tweet about all kinds of things. He came back again, said, Dogecoin is the people's crypto. I am become mean, destroyer of shorts. And Elon just has a thing about short sellers. Yeah. yeah, I'm, actually, you know yeah. I'm on board with that. I hate short selling. I just yeah. think it's... it's a so very cynical sad. thing, isn't it? Yeah. But then, and One very good thing to come out of GameStop is that I finally understand what short selling is. About a thousand people have tried to explain it to me. I'm like, I still don't get it. But then I yeah. listened to a podcast yesterday. I was like, ah, okay. Yeah, you just got to... You, you just got to find someone that you can borrow Robbie. a lot of shares from. Yeah. Yeah. You, you clearly need that uh, image of Margot Robbie in the bath explaining it to you because I'm sure that will focus your mind. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be able to forget about that for the rest of the day now. All right. So, and, but then to wrap that up, Tesla FSD tunnel, so Tesla full self-driving tunnel, said, as your attorney, I would advise you to stop tweeting and then followed up with, if regulators gave even one single fuck about public figures manipulating illiquid speculative markets, this would be enough to put Musk where he belongs. Ooh. So, yeah. So, you know, he, he, it could be seen very much as market manipulation. He might say, hey, I just tweeted a single word. I'm not doing anything. Yeah. What people crypto do is their, the own, west, is their own business. Yeah. Crypto is the wild west, though. There's no regulation on it. Anyone who gets involved in that has to know what they're getting themselves into. Yeah, so, well, it, you know, anyway. we the stock market, there are rules, as, as Elon discovered yes. um, a couple of years ago. But um, with crypto, it's, it's, it's just one massive pump and dump scam. Yep. Proceed with caution. I, I got involved in crypto. In crypto. You yep. can make money in there, but um, it's got to be money you're prepared to lose. Um, well, that that was Chesto. Yeah. Quick, I, yeah. I, I, bought a f- I bought a few and they did well for a while, but then your public antics, you know, pulled the, the, the rug out. The problem is I, I went to an actual physical coin. That, they tell me that wasn't right. No, that wasn't right. No. no. But that's, that's very on brand for you. Yeah, yeah that's right. Bad paper. Yeah. Well, with one and two dollar notes in your wallet in the hope that you take right. them. Well, when he's when he's not um, single word tweeting to manipulate uh, markets, he's also been out there letting everybody know that Neuralink uh, now claims to have successfully tested its brain link-up prototype in a monkey, um, and according to Elon, a monkey with the device implanted in its brain can play video games via via the link without touching a controller or screen. So uh, there you go. He says, we've already got a monkey with a wireless implant in their skull and the tiny wires who can play video games using his mind. It does not look look like an unhappy monkey and you can't even see where the neural implant was put in except that he's got like a slight, like dark mohawk. He's not uncomfortable and he doesn't look weird. So it's good to know that this, uh, this monkey doesn't look weird. Um, of course, this follows on the back of what was her name? Gertrude. Gertrude the pig, 
who um, in August last year demonstrated this technology. So um, he says, you know, just FYI, we went the extra mile for the monkeys. As long as you didn't make them play cyberpunk, um, the person uh, interviewing, and this all comes from a site we've got to uh, credit, Inverse, if, as long as you didn't make them play cyberpunk, um, and he said that'd be a hell of a trip for the monkey, uh, Musk said. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, you um, wouldn't be able to play it because it crashes every two minutes. That's true. We that's true. To that. You'd need multiple patches. So that brings us to the Tesla share price, $854.69, which is down actually against the trend of recent weeks. Uh, it was 864 odd last week, but it's up 26% year to date, and we're only into the first part of February. Um, and Morgan Stanley has lifted its price target, its short-term price target for Tesla to $880. Um, and the thing that I found interesting in their analysis is they expect Tesla to deliver 785,000 vehicles in 2021. Now, they just got to 500,000 uh, in 2020, but deliveries are projected to reach 5.38 million in 2030. So that's a big bet on Tesla continuing to ramp. You know, you've got the Gigafactory in Berlin. Um, you've got, um, where's the other one in China? Um, you, you're going to have more capacity to produce these cars and the demand will will presumably be there. And um, you, you're into five, more than 5 million cars by 2030. And free cash flow is now expected to reach $6 billion in 2021, which is nearly twice the free cash flow they had last year. So maybe mm. things are looking kind of positive. Still some There's some though. interesting things in the car, though. In in the like, so if you, they just did their full year financial report a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty, it is actually makes for very interesting reading. So they make a lot of money selling credits to other car, car manufacturers, yes. and I mean a lot but of money. In fact, in fact, they credits. wouldn't have they would not have been profitable yeah. in the last calendar year without that. Nowhere near it. But that's one thing that you expect to, uh, to to drop in coming years as more people move to EV fleets. But the second issue as well, I think, is that the, 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 the profit per car is dropping too because they're selling so many more Model 3s now than Model Ss and Model Xs. Yeah. The, the, the margin on the cars is getting smaller. So then they, they really do have to ramp up to sort of Toyota, Volkswagen, et cetera, levels of production in order to yeah. make the margin on those cars. So it, even though it's looking rosy, and I'm not, I'm definitely not shorting them. Like uh, you know, even verbally, I, you know, I think uh, long, long gone are the days where, where I thought the Tesla went up and vanish overnight. But they are becoming a, a, a proper car company, and, and we all know that that is actually a, a fairly hard path to walk. Well, but they would be a proper car company if it didn't have the CEO slash chairman or whatever he is saying. Probably don't buy a Wednesday car. Uh, yeah, Chester, well, Chester, you had an insight on that, didn't you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I, I, what I'm going to do, I'm going to actually read these quotes directly, lest I get a call from a lawyer. So th there's a chap in America, an automotive engineer called Sandy Munro, who, who's famous for like breaking down cars and, and sort of tearing them down and seeing what's in them, how they're built, etc. And he's on a couple of really good podcasts in the USA. He had Musk on to talk about production over there. And Musk made, a, he made actually a pretty stunning admission. He said that, if, and I'm going to quote him directly here, he's going to say, he said the paint wasn't necessarily drying enough on early models of the car. And he said, we actually did improve gap and paint quality towards the end of last year. So the, the short answer is he said, if you really want like things to be dialed in, it's actually the very early cars or once the production has leveled off. So essentially what he's saying there is if you were one of the people who bought a Model 3 in the middle of the production cycle, your car's not going to be quite as good as yeah. someone who bought one at the beginning or the end of the cycle. Now, you don't hear a lot of company bosses say things like that. The, the, things, the thing, two things come to mind there. 
I know we covered the Model 3 that had the different interior door cards that, that had found its way to an yeah. owner's hands. Uh, I think three of them were a grey and one was a, a lovely brown um, in the back. And also the wet weather that caused Model 3 bumpers to just fall off. Yeah, um, that yeah, was a bit yeah. of a thing for a while as well. You wouldn't be thrilled if that had happened. No, but if that, happened, if that was a Toyota Yaris, for example, there'd be outrage globally. But for some reason, when it happens with Tesla, people go, well, you know, we're early adopters. Well, you're not that early anymore. They've been around some time. It's true. They've been around more than 10 years. Yes. All right. Look, with that, I think we have reached the finish line. And I want to say thank you, Peter. And thank Pleasure. you, Chesto. And thank you, everyone. Thanks to our water cooler reporter, mischief champion and airport scarecrow, Mr. Pritchard, for his uncanny production skills. Today, he's wearing a T-shirt saying, surely not everybody was kung fu fighting. Extreme jodpers and Krugs, an amazing croc ug hybrid shoe boot. Yeah, they are, they are nice. Amazing. They are nice. Amazing. And they squeak his a are, bit when he walks. His are pink, which is uh, fairly arresting. Now, let us know your thoughts. <laughs> You can find Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. If you're an Apple podcast listener, please rate and review us. Remember, you can also watch us on YouTube. And if you already are, make sure you subscribe to the Cars Guide YouTube channel so you can stay on top of all our latest content. But before we go, Cop pulled up next to me during the week and I said to him straight up, look, Turning on your lights and siren after you lose a drag race is just poor sportsmanship. <laughs> what are your best, JC? What are your all-time best? Yeah, that's pretty good. 